0: uh new life sunday if you want to get baptized today and you didn't carry a change of clothes just do it anyway it's a hot day so why don't we stand and read scripture together now uh just a few uh oh my name is eddie king i'm the lead pastor so if this is your first time here on behalf of this community karibu sana so uh, just so you know what's, what you're going to see on the screen, we're going to read from Exodus. We've been reading from Exodus for weeks. And this is, the, this is one series that has gone longer than uh, I thought it would. Um, but now we're going a little earlier in the book of Exodus where, God, uh, where Moses meets God for the first time. You will notice that I have changed. So if you, uh, it's, it's the NIV. I'm reading from the niv but i have changed a couple of places to read yahweh and a couple of places where it says the lord i've written it as yahweh where it says god i've written it as elohim uh we'll we'll, we'll get to see why in a bit okay so that you don't wonder which bible trinity reads let's do this together now moses was standing the flock of jethro his father-in-law The priests of Midian and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of Elohim there the angel of Yahweh appeared to him in flames of a fire from within a bush Moses saw that though this bush was on fire it did not burn up so Moses thought I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up When Yahweh saw that he had gone over to look, Elohim called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, Elohim said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob at this moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at elohim yahweh said i have indeed seen the misery of my people in egypt i have heard the crying out because of their slave drivers and i am concerned about their suffering So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land. But Moses said to God, Elohim, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you will worship God on this mountain Moses said to God suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the Elohim of your fathers has sent me to you and they asked me what is his name then what shall I tell them God said to Moses I am who I am this is what you're saying to the Israelites I am has sent me to you God also said to Moses say to the Israelites Yahweh the Elohim of your fathers the Elohim of Abraham the Elohim of Isaac the Elohim of Jacob has sent me to you this is my name forever the name you shall call me from generation to generation blessed be the word of the Lord amen you may be seated Lord, thank you for you are living. Thank you for your word is alive. Bring us back to life. Amen. So, Moses asks uh, two questions of God. Who are you? Uh, he, He asks, who am I that I should go? And then he asks God, and what is your name? Okay, so I'll start with the first question. Uh, who am I that I should go? See, Moses has a very complicated family history. You know, we've been sitting in, uh, in a series for weeks that has been exploring our family histories. And some of you, it has made some of you reflect on your own complicated family history. You know, whether you're abandoned by your dad or, or uh, you never knew your parents or you know, you did know them but it was just a difficult relationship. All those things might have come up in the series we've been we've been through. Haley shared with us her testimony two weeks ago. Yeah, Uh, of her of the impact her own family history had on her. When Haley shared with me, she said an ark. That's that's uh, uh, some of your translations will read um, uh, a basket. Uh, The original would say an ark, which you know rings a lot like the ark of uh, the covenant, ark of. Uh, Noah, all that stuff. Anyway, so he puts him in this thing that protects him and and leaves him on, uh, on the river. That's another thing that will impact him. You see, when we're kids, things that happen to us, we end up thinking we are the reason. So that's one thing that Moses is carrying with him. Then he's rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. You know, I'm just trying to run through Moses' life for those who haven't read your Bibles in a while. It's possible. Some people don't. So, Moses is rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. So, rescued by the, the daughter of the king who's harassing them. And, and he's raised in a palace. Okay. This has to do some serious damage to his identity. This has to do some serious damage to his identity. One, if, if you're Moses, you never quite belong in the palace. Everybody knows that you're not the princess's daughter. They know. They just... You're just untouchable because her favor, and therefore Pharaoh's favor is on you, but they know where you came from. So you never quite belong. But also, outside your own house, as you live in luxury, you're seeing your own people build the luxury you're living in with their sweat, with their blood, with their tears, and with their lives. So sometimes Moses would look out and wonder, I imagine, right? And wonder, is that my cousin? That, that messes with anyone. That would mess with anyone. And then you can't quite fit with your family because you don't share experiences. They wake up not knowing if they'll go back home. You wake up and get dressed by some of your own people. So this is Moses' background. So, in all this mixture of, of, of broken identities, one day, uh, he's a younger man, one day Moses is walking around the enslaved people who are his people but whom he cannot actually belong to, and he sees an Egyptian slave driver uh, mistreating a, a Hebrew person, and Moses, uh, you know, gets, gets angry and decides to fight for justice. And he kills this Egyptian slave driver Then that day is over the next day. He sees two Israelites. They're fighting themselves and he goes Hey, you you guys are brothers. Why are you doing this? And he tries to stop them and uh, one of them asks him, okay Who made you ruler and judge over us and two? Are you then going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? You see what's happening. This guy touched a nerve He touched the very source of Moses' clash of identities. He touched the very source of Moses' insecurities. Because essentially what he's saying to Moses is, Who do you think you are? Essentially what he's saying to Moses is, We all know you're just a glorified slave. Essentially what he's saying to Moses is, Hey, listen, you can't identify with us. You have no idea the kind of life I've been through. Essentially, what he's saying to Moses is everything Moses' uh, 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 insecurities say to him every morning. But it's, another, it's a whole other thing when you hear it from outside. It messes up with Moses. And Moses then runs away. Like he learns that the pharaoh knows, pharaoh tries to kill him. Moses runs away. He ends up in the in the desert amongst a, a, a different people group. He marries one of them, and he actually believes he's nothing. So when Moses is asking, "Who am I that you should send me?" Moses is saying, "No, no, no. Listen, there are other people to send, not me." Moses is saying, "I'm not worthy. I'm nothing." The second question Moses asks when they ask me when I tell them that Elohim has sent me they'll ask me what is his name what am I going to tell them throughout this series I have told us over and over again that names in this in this uh, uh, part of the world at that time were more than a tag or more than just oh this is my label names were more like a resume a resume says who you are who, what you can do where you've been all that stuff names acted in that same way it's it, more precisely it's, it's almost like Moses is asking God what are what is your name what are you called so God introduces himself as I am the Elohim of Abraham Isaac Jacob okay let me tell you what's going on here So one of the reasons I was changing it is that you will notice every time Moses is speaking and every time the person writing is speaking, they use the name Elohim. That's why I put them there so you can tell the difference. I am the Elohim of... Here's the thing. Elohim was just a title. The same way God is a title. Right? It's the same way pastor is a title. A title says, I respect you, but there's distance between us. When I meet people and they call me pastor, I know that they've not seen me in my and laws. They've, they've only known me for two weeks. Hey, Pastor Edgar. A title says, I respect you, but there's distance between us. A name. Every time God speaks, he says, my name is Yahweh. Tell them the Lord. Tell them, Yahweh has sent you. You see the difference? God is saying, hey, I am the God called uh, uh, Yahweh. I am the Elohim called Yahweh. God is saying, this is who I am. This is, and, and a name says a lot about you. It says, it says your character. It says everything about you. It's more, a name uh, indicates closeness. A name indicates intimacy. Think about the president's uh, uh, children. I mean, everywhere you go, they go, oh, Mr. President, Mr. President. But what do you think the kids call him back home? Dad. Right? Met the grandchild once, very tiny human being, I think he's starting two this year. What do you think the grandchild calls him? Grandpa just sees the president come home, opens his arms, pick me up. I don't care if you opening. The children of Israel had been slavery slavery for too long that they had forgotten the name of their God. They knew, they knew that their forefathers worshipped a God who was powerful. They knew that their forefathers worshipped a God who delivered them. They knew that their forefathers worshipped a God who made promises to them. They knew that they were crying out to God, but they did not know his name anymore. So Moses isn't just doing this trick thing. He's going, this was a land with many gods. And let's be honest, even this time people have many gods. So this is a land where every nation had a God, every uh, uh, season of, 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 of the weather had a God. So Moses is being genuine, he goes, okay, I get that you are God, but what is your name? Of all the gods around us, which, what are you called? But here's the other thing. If they could not remember God's name, do you know what it means that they could not remember? They could not remember God's character. Remember a name in this, in this time and place, inferred character. They knew that Abraham, their father, and Isaac, their father, and and Jacob, their father, worshipped this God, but they have no idea anymore who this God, God, uh, what this God's name was, and therefore they had no idea what his character was. They've been in pain for too long, they don't remember that God is kind. They've been in pain for too long. They no longer think that God is faithful. They've been in pain for too long. They don't know that God is forgiving. They don't know that God is patient. They don't know that God keeps his promises from one generation to the other. So God, what is your name? What is your character? Because if God is good, why can't he see our suffering? This is what's going on here. God, if truly you were good, how could you let this happen? In our time, when we forget God's character, this is what it sounds like. How could a good and loving God let that happen to my child? This is what it sounds like. How could a good and loving God let that happen to me when I was just a child? How could a good and loving God let this... uh, um, let 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 this happen in the world children dying it's so crazy what's been happening in our nation in the last two weeks when we forget the character of God we're not sure if we can trust it how could a good and loving God and all those are genuine questions let's never take those away all those are genuine important questions if you've ever Hit the ground, if you've ever hit rock bottom, you get to this place where you go, God, are you really there? Because if you were there, how could this happen? All those are genuine questions, but they are symptoms of a people who've forgotten what God's name is. They're symptoms of a people or a heart, if you're here, that has forgotten that God is patient, loving, kind, forgiving. Faithful not just to you, but from one generation to the next. When we forget, we assume that there is no God. When we forget, we assume that God has forgotten us if He is there. When we forget, we assume that God is not good. When we forget, we take matters into our own hands just like Moses right Moses is going because he does not know the name Yahweh he cannot call on Yahweh so what does he do he looks at his people suffering and he decides I will create justice I will create justice every time we forget the character of God we take matters into our own hands and so we start living carelessly we start deliberately living in sin because who cares God has forgotten us. But the result is always brokenness and shame. The result of forgetting and living life as if God doesn't exist. Forgetting and living life carelessly as if you are the only one. You are the one to decide what is good and bad. Is brokenness and shame. Because every time we do that, it's the same thing that happened with Adam and Eve. God's gone too long the enemy says well if you eat this you'll become like God you can decide what is good and bad right after that shame enters the story Moses after killing the Egyptian after taking justice into his hands what happens shame enters the story The prodigal son in Jesus' story, he goes, oh, no, 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 I can do life better than you, dad. So give me my inheritance. I want to do things like I think they're best done. And what happens right after? Shame enters the story. Every time we live life forgetting who God is, shame enters the story. Shame has a way of stealing your identity. You look at the things you've done, You look at the things done to you, you look at the things done around you, and you don't know who you are anymore. So we keep asking the question, but who am I? Here's what the voice of shame might sound like for some of you today. I don't belong here, I'm not good enough. For some of you, what you hear is, no one loves me. How could anyone love me? For some of you it sounds like I'm a bad person I'm a bad person I know what I did I'm a bad person and shame is that place that we think is outside of God's grace every time a story comes up in our minds, a narrative comes up in our minds, a memory comes up in our minds, and we think that this part is too dark and outside of God's grace, that's what shame is, that's what shame does. A part of us, we, could, we always hold away from God's light, a past or a current lifestyle you know God disapproves of, and so you think, oh my goodness, this one he will reject me for. An experience of sexual assault or abuse and you just think, oh my goodness, it was totally my fault. An abortion, an absent father, a string of failed relationships. Each one of us often has a story that we hold away from God because we think, I don't think think he will accept this part. That's what shamed us. And what, what, the other thing shame will cause you to do is that you will, you will constantly be running away from God and community because you're just not sure anybody wants to see that part. You're just not sure you ever want to tell that story. So you're constantly running away from God and community. You're constantly sabotaging relationships. Why? Because, oh, you came too close. You almost saw. You almost saw that part. Or you're constantly working extra hard to please God and please people. Just so that you make up for the bad parts once they get to see it. Walking extra hard. Shame are the things the enemy keeps bringing up. Every time you just lift your hand in worship, you hear, uh, Do you remember? And going, oh, maybe not me. Let me leave the Georges of this church to lift their hands. Not me. Shame is the story the enemy brings up every time you're in a good relationship. Like, eh, how long is this going to last, bud? Shame is what the enemy reminds you of every time you step into community. Shame robs you of your identity when Moses is saying who am I he sees no value in who he is he sees no way that God could use him so he starts there okay let's just start by you got the wrong guy let's just start by I'm not the person you want to see today now how does God respond God gives us his presence. Presence is the only thing that heals shame. So Moses asked God, "What is your name?" And then God pretty much invokes memory. I am the Elohim of your fathers. I am the Elohim of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Jacob. What God is saying is, "Hey, You know all those stories you once were told, that's me. He's bringing back to memory, hey, it's me. All the stories you heard, it's me. You know the person you've been hoping to find? When you think about God being good, it's me. So today for some of you, what that might sound like is, remember when you were little and joyful and you believed in me, before this happened to you? It's me. Remember, when you believed marriages work, so you prayed each night, before the divorce happened, and now you've lost all hope in God. Remember that one? It's me. Do you remember when you were careful how you lived because you loved me? Then came the drinking and the sleeping around and now you feel like you're in an empty shell? Remember that time? It's me. Do you remember? What God is telling Moses, remember, I am the same God your fathers worshipped. What's God saying? Okay, I know you're wondering who I am. I am not unfamiliar to you and some of you need to know today that God is not unfamiliar to you He is closer than your next breath then God reveals his true name the holy name which only translates to I am who I am I will be what I will be I was who I was God is simply saying Moses asking what's your name and God is saying For now I want you to trust me you see later on when we get to Exodus 34 which we've been reading for the last couple of weeks God then tells Moses what his character is but at that point God has been walking with Moses long enough for Moses to go yes you are faithful yes you are kind yes you are forgiving yes yes this is your character right now Moses doesn't have that experience so what God is telling Moses is, for now I just want you to trust me for now I just want you to know that I am who I am God is simply saying you can trust me God is not even burdened you know you have all these questions some of you are here with questions about theology well, what does this mean? Where did the Bible come from? I am struggling to have faith because this happened in my family, and 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 those are important. And God is not brushing them away. Yet, right now, He's saying, "I know, but trust me, because one day that question will be answered as you experience a life with Jesus." Some of you are here with questions about your future. You've trusted, but what does this look like? This hasn't worked out. That didn't work out. And God is saying, I know. Right now, I just need you to trust me. Questions about marriage. Questions about justice. God, what are you thinking about our country? How could it be that we're on our knees every Sunday? What's going to happen? I know. And that's important to me. Right now, I want you to trust me. God's voice to you today is, I know, I know, and I want you to trust me because I promise I am who I am. And and then in, in Revelation, Jesus echoes those same words. I am the one who was, who is, and who is to come. The beginning is trust and the end is trust. You can trust me. What about this part of my life that is so heavy I don't know how to bring it to you? I know. Right now, I just want you to trust me. If we're honest with ourselves, we're insecure about God because we've forgotten who He is. We've forgotten His character. And when we forget God's character, we forget who we are. And when we forget who we are, we are riddled with shame. So just like Moses, every time we're in the presence of God, we're wondering, who am I to you? God, who am I to you? And then, and then God responds just this one way, I'm going to be with you. The only thing that cures shame is presence. Have you, I wonder how many of you have ever been in an important relationship and then you did something really stupid. I'm the only one? Great. Yes, I've seen a few people. Great. This church has people who have faith. Anyway, so you're in an important relationship. You do something really stupid. What will happen is over time, in that time, you will show up with your face down. You will constantly be wondering, well, now that you've seen that side of me, who am I to you? Now that you know that that's my past, who am I to you? Now that I did this to you, who am I to you? And it takes the grace of the other person to show up fully, not not giving you half this. No, they show up fully and over time you begin to go, oh, my face, I can lift my face because this one loves me and accepts me. Over time you fully show up again and that story can no longer be used against you someone says ah uh, do they know you're like yeah they know <laughs> and we're good because shame dies when our stories can be told in a safe place so what god is telling moses is you're safe with me i'm going to be with you i'm going to be with you that's the only answer god gives i'm the person who remains i'm the person who stays presence is what cures shame and that's what God is inviting you to today into his presence whether it's shame that's come up as we've reflected on the journeys of our families whether it's shame around things that you have done or things that have been done to you or things that have been done around you and you're going but God who do I who am I to you If you know this about me, who am I to you? God is saying, don't worry. I'm going to be with you. So how do we respond as I finish? If the band can come up on stage, please. So I just want us to realize God provided a burning bush that was not being eaten up. Uh, I had so I just learned because I never paid attention that the official speed limit unless you're on the superhighway, is 100 kilometers per hour so I was going at 100 uh, anyway, it doesn't matter so I'm sorry people I had to go to court again I'm really sorry but now, now I have learned I, didn't, I looked it up and I was like oh, they're right I thought they were just harassing me and when, while I was there there was someone who's being who's being uh, charged with arson so uh, the thing is if you've ever been around fire it eats it eats things up very fast so if there's a bush that is not being eaten up how long did Moses have to look at it to realize wait a minute this is strange It could have been a couple of hours. Moses stayed uh, past the same bush for a couple of hours and went, wait, this isn't eating up. It could have been days. It could have been weeks. It could have been months. I don't know. The point is, God was consistent enough until he got Moses' attention. God is faithful to provide something in your life that makes you go, could that be God? Or makes you go at the very least that's strange I'd like to know what's happening look around you if you're in a place where shame has swallowed you up look around you because God has put something in your life that has been there it's consistent that may just make you go could that be God God is consistent and faithful and patient until he catches your attention. So do not ignore God's voice if you hear it today. It could be a faithful spouse who's not being consumed in the fire that you put them through. Like how are you still here? It could be a faithful parent who keeps praying for you, knowing too well how rebellious you are. It could be a faithful church community. It could be his provision, even after you consistently blow up all his provision on crazy lifestyle. There's something around you that God has provided consistently and faithfully, and he's asking for your attention. Today, if you hear God's voice, Paul would say, don't ignore it. And then Moses dares to step into that place. So Moses moves close to the burning bush. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. When we move close, we are blessed with his presence. So I invite you all, In the ways in the places where shame is the voice we're hearing God is inviting you to move close and it could be a first prayer to follow Jesus you've never followed Jesus and you're going okay I still have a ton of questions but I'm gonna move close it could be for the first time lifting your hands in worship I have never experienced this presence of God but you know what I'm gonna dare I'm gonna try it could be coming up for prayer for the first time I don't know if this thing works but my community could you pray for me it could be getting baptized as some people are doing today it could be making that phone call you know what God is placing on your heart going I I invite you to dare this I invite you to move close whatever response has been laying in your heart and you've thought it's silly. You thought it wouldn't make a difference. You've been shy about it. God is saying, just come close. Just come close to me. Why don't we stand? So I want to invite those who are baptizing to move to the left. baptism is 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 quite special what what these uh, what what a brother and sister